Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. We're here today with episode 226 of Weekly Poker Hand. Thank you again for being here today. And if you have not already, make sure you take advantage of the free one-week trial to my training site, PokerCoaching.com. There we have a ton of interactive quizzes and homework questions. And if you like these podcasts, presumably you do, you're on episode 226, you're going to love the quizzes. It's basically me going through hands, mostly my hands, but instead of just telling you what I do, I make you tell me what you would do. That way, it's interactive, you learn, and we improve our skills together. So check it out, pokercoaching.com. Today we have another hand from the $300 buy-in final table at Stone's Gambling Hall. As you can see, if you are watching this on jonathanlittlepoker.com or on YouTube, the stacks have gotten shaken up a bit. We have one very shallow stack with four big blinds. This is Jmar. And when there is a very shallow stack, that should lead all of the other medium stacks to play very, very tightly. Because if they raise and get re-raised, or jammed on, they need to be folding. Because if they just fold a few more hands, they can outlast the four big blind stack. And this is going to typically allow the bigger stacks to run over the table to some extent. So we see Brian has 100 big blinds. I'd expect him to play way more than his fair share of pots. And then the other big stacks with you know, 40 big blinds or more, they can get a little bit out of line, especially if the other bigger stacks are already out of the pot. But um, yeah, we'll see how this hand plays out. So keep in mind, the people in this hand are going to be Jmar, who is not even in the pot, but that is relevant. Then we have Iceman, who has shown that he really enjoys limping. And then we have Brian, who is going to be in this hand as well. So playing with an 8,000 big blind and also an 8,000 big blind ante. Folds around to Iceman in the hijack seat with king-queen offsuit, and he decides to limp. Given we have that four big blind stack, I think folding is reasonable if the big stacks yet to act are going to play aggressively, as they should. Also, it should be quite clear to them that Iceman is limping with a lot of garbage. And if Ice, not necessarily garbage, but hands he is willing to fold. And if Iceman is limping with stuff like queen-jack and king-queen, you can just apply a lot of aggression and put him in a miserable spot. So I think you would either just fold or raise this hand. I get the idea of limping. That way you can limp and then see a flop. And if you get top pair, you can put your stack in happily. But I don't really like it that much. So gets back around to Brian, who's the chip leader, in the small blind. And he now makes it 25,000. So is that right? The graphics are not quite accurate here. Um, gets around to Brian, and he makes it, it looks like, yeah, he, Brian makes it 25,000. And I think this is fine, but I think you'd rather go just a little bit bigger. The problem with making it 25,000 is you're going to get called almost every time. Because when Iceman limps, and when most people limp, I think what they are typically saying with their actions is, I am playing a slightly wider range than normal, and I want to make sure I can limp and then see a flop with my hand. I don't want to raise and get jammed off of it or re-raised off of it. So... When someone says, I want to see a flop, what do you want to do? Well, you don't want to let them see a flop cheaply because that's what they want to do. You'd much prefer to just raise with hands like Ace-Jack and Brian's shoes or Ace-Five offsuit or whatever to an amount more like 40,000. That way, maybe even 45,000. That way, Iceman's going to fold a decent chunk of the time and then you just pick up the pot. And I know a lot of people think, oh, I don't want to pick up the small pot. But if you win, I think in this scenario, there was 28,000 in a preflop. If you do that on a regular basis or just every hand you have the opportunity on this bubble, you're going to quickly blind down your opponents, and that's going to work out really well for you. So 
If I was in Brian's shoes, I would have made it a little bit bigger. This is something that I see a lot of small and medium stakes players have a problem with. They think I need to raise to three big blinds, period. But the fact that your opponent limped is very relevant. The fact that you are out of position is very relevant. You can make it smaller if you're in position, because then your opponent's going to have a really tough time playing from out of position. But in this scenario, Brian's in the small blind, so he has to be very careful pricing in the big blind. Like right here, Iceman's not really making much of a mistake by calling, as he should. Now, the other question is, should Iceman jam preflop once it gets back to him? I think that is definitely reasonable. But because there is that four big blind stack hanging around, remember, you really don't want to go broke if you're sitting here with a 20-ish big blind stack. So I think calling is fine once you put yourself in this scenario. And really, this is not that bad of a scenario. Like if you told, if you told Iceman this is going to happen, you're going to limp big stack who should have a decently wide range is going to raise, and then you get to see a flop, well, that's fine, right? Flop now comes Jack 5-2, and Brian pretty quickly checks with his top pair. Remember, Brian has ace-jack on Jack 5-2. And this is a pretty cool line, especially if you think Iceman is going to be inclined to bet. The problem, though, is that Iceman should be very incentivized to check here, because if he bets and gets raised, even if he's sitting here with, like, well, ace-jack, right? He doesn't really want to get it all in when there's a four big blind stack. He would much prefer it to go check, check on the flop, call a turn bet, and then call a river bet. That way he induces a lot of bluffs. Uh, so I think Brian should just make a small bet with his entire range in this scenario. And notice if he bet something like 20,000 into the 66,000 pot, that's going to result in Iceman folding a lot of his range, unless he has a jack, in which case he's going to jam. Maybe Iceman also calls with the under pairs, like pocket sevens which is great, whereas if you check, pocket seven should definitely check behind. Or make a tiny bet and then fold if it gets jammed on, which is not really great for you, right? So I think Brian should just make a small bet with his whole range, and that includes hands as good as this. However, he checks, and now Iceman pretty quickly bets 25,000, I think, into the 66,000 pot. And it's an interesting line the question is, does king-queen have much showdown value here? And I think the answer is probably no. The problem, though, is that you have to ask, is Brian actually checking jack-5-2 to check-fold? And I would say almost never. I would presume that Brian is checking his whole range to either check-call or check-fold, or maybe if he has something like, I don't even know, 9-7 offsuit, he'll check-fold. But you're crushing that hand anyway. So... I think you probably just want to check the king-queen. You're not expecting to win a ton, but whenever there is a four big blind stack hanging around, it is your main priority to not get blown off of your equity. And right here, Iceman has a pretty good chunk of equity. We see against this ace-jack, top pair, top kicker, he has 29% equity. So if you bet this and then Brian jams you, you have to fold. And also, I don't think you need to be betting king-queen with the idea of I'm going to bet the flop and then bet the turn and then jam the river as a bluff. That is a very, very, very optimistic line when there's a four big blind stack hanging around. So now, back to Brian with his ace jack, what should he do? Well, given Iceman has, I believe, only 125,000 behind, let's see if the graphics can catch up, and the pot's already 91,000. So yeah, Iceman has 130 behind, pot's 91. Should Brian now call or jam, or maybe even min-raise? Well, calling's obvious, you're, you're not folding ace jack, right? So we're not folding. We're either going to call, the problem with calling, though, is that that lets Iceman realize his equity with whatever he has. And it just so happens that Iceman has basically the best hand he can have that is still behind at this point. Because notice if he has ace-king or ace-queen, he's dominated. 
And if he has something like pocket tens, he's drawing almost dead. So if Brian knows Iceman's exact hand, I definitely think you should shove. But you don't know Iceman's exact hand. Normally, Iceman's going to have three outs or two outs or no outs in this scenario. And for that reason, I think Brian, once he checks, needs to check call, especially if he had the idea of checking the flop um, already, which means that he presumes Iceman's going to be bluffing a little bit too often. Because, like I said, Iceman should just check behind almost every time here because he really doesn't want to get check-raised. I mean, listen, it's not the end of the world if you get check-raised off king-queen. Normally, you don't have 29% equity. But there are worlds where Brian just checks down with 10 high or checks down with ace high and you lose, but you get to see the turn in the river for free. And you really don't want to bet king-queen. So given he bet king-queen, I think Brian should call. And that's because Iceman's range to bet on the turn will presumably be somewhat wide. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but if you know your opponent's betting the flop with a wide range when you check to them, you want to keep them in when you have the ace-jack because the only bad turn cards for you are a king or a queen. And even then, a lot of the time, they're actually not bad for you. Like, say, Iceman has ace-queen instead and a king comes. Well, you, you still have the best hand, right? So, pretty quickly, Brian goes all in. And... I don't really like that line, and that's because if you really think about Iceman's range, Iceman is going to be drawing almost dead, or very near dead. And I get the idea that Brian really doesn't want to see one of the bad cards come, but on Jack 5-2, there's only a few bad cards, and they don't necessarily beat you. They both would beat him this time, but he, he, there's no way he can know that. So against Iceman's range, you want to keep that in, and the way you do that is to call, especially if you know Iceman is the type of player who may run an insane bluff, or maybe he's the type of player who's going to, you know, put Brian on a hand like Ace-9 and decide to try to bluff him off of it, right? If you think your opponent's going to put you on a marginal made hand and then be willing to do something about it, which is to try to bluff you with his garbage, then you definitely want to check. Now, you may say, well, what if Iceman has a jack here? Well, first off, it's pretty unlikely given there's a jack on the board and a jack in Brian's hand. But if he does have a jack in this scenario, if you jam, he's always going to pay you. Whereas if you check call, and then especially if the turn's a somewhat scary card like a ace, king, or queen, he may no longer pay you off. But that's just not going to happen so often. Most of the time on these very uncoordinated boards, your opponent's just not going to have anything good. So if your opponent has nothing good, you want to give them every opportunity to bluff. So anyway, he jams, Iceman thinks for a while for some reason. I'm not too sure why I th would think for a while here. It's a very easy fold. Uh, presumably, if you think you have an edge at your final table, you want to play rather quickly. And most poker players think they have an edge. So you don't really want to take your time. There's no value in Hollywooding or going slowly or trying to save face or anything like that. You should have a bluffing range some portion of the time, and uh, you should bluff with it. If you're going to have a bluffing range on this flop, though, Jack-5-2, I think it should be your really bad hands, like 8-7 of hearts, hands that are drawing pretty thin, that really don't mind folds. But even then, I, I think I managed to just check behind on the flop. So a lot of interesting um, interactions going on there, but I think the fact that there's that four big blind stack hanging around really does handcuff Iceman to where he wants to play small pots. And by betting the flop, he doesn't go there. So that's going to be it for... That is going to be it for, for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Thanks again for being here. Good luck in your games. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Jonathan Little for lots and lots of updates from me. I post a weekly blog every week. I discuss pokercoaching.com. Again, go there and get your free trial. And um, I'll talk to you later.